Well, he is the owner and he's paying your paycheck, so shut the fuck up. It's NFL Picks Week, or time, I guess, which we should start this with as we welcome you into this 401st episode of Unscripted. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. And again, I'd like to uh, send our thanks to our Vancouver Bureau Chief, Sean Dode, for his great analysis and his big part of our very special 400th episode of Unscripted as we went, really went through with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, our NHL preview. And uh, again, thanks to Sean for making that as special as it was. As again, I welcome you into this 401st episode of Unscripted. And it's time for Chris and I to make our week five picks in the National Football League. Obviously, as we're broadcasting here on Saturday, the Thursday game between the Rams and the Seahawks is history. So we won't be picking that one. But the remaining, oh, I don't know how many games, there's only two teams only two teams uh, that are in bye this week, and one of them, thank God, is the Miami Dolphins. The books are probably pretty happy about that, but uh, Detroit and Miami are in a bye week this week. Everybody else is playing, and so as I welcome the executive producer into the program saying hi to Chris, we will start. Chris will make his pick, and we'll start in Dallas. Fox's America's Game of the Week. So that means, oh crap, that means Buck and Aikman again. Uh, Green Bay at Dallas. Uh, just so you know, if you haven't uh, been made aware, Devontae Adams will not play for the Packers. The big left tackle, Tryon Smith, I think his name is. Is it? Tyron. Tyron Smith, excuse me. I was close. Uh, Tyron Smith, the big left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, will not play in this game. They have upgraded Kevin King. Our glass-like cornerback, they've upgraded him from doubtful to questionable, so there is a chance he's going to play. But again, usually when they're questionable, they're probably going to play doubtful. Forget about them. But Devontae Adams is out for the Packers. Smith, the big left tackle, is out for the Dallas Cowboys. This game opened at uh, Dallas as three-and-a-half-point favorites. And Chris, we'll start with you. Your pick, sir, on Cowboys-Packers. I've got the Packers both ways here because I think the Packers defense will keep them in it. And I think that the um, Dallas Cowboys were able to beat up on three terrible teams at the beginning of the year. And everyone thought they were amazing in this offensive powerhouse. And then they scored 10 points against the Saints just down the road from Dallas. And I think that this is going to be a wake-up call. I think this is a good chance to fade the public as well because I think they still believe in Dallas. Plus, when they see Devontae Adams is out, then all of a sudden they think that this is a gimme for the Cowboys probably. So I'm going to just keep rolling with the Packers like I have been this year, my Super Bowl pick, and I'll take Packers both ways. I've got the Cowboys straight up. I've got the Packers against the spread. Um, I just think the Packers miss too much. Aaron Rodgers misses too much without Devontae Adams. In years past, you probably could have gotten away with it because you still had Jordy Nelson on the on the roster. You still had Randall Cobb, who now, of course, is catching passes for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we don't have anybody like that. Uh, Jimmy Graham continues to be, in my opinion, the biggest mistake that Brian Gutekunst has made in his two years as general manager of the Green Bay Packers. He is a non-factor, and he better be a factor on Sunday or the Packers will not have a chance in this football game. Well, it'll be interesting to see 
two rivals. They've been around forever, obviously most synonymous probably for the 67 Ice Bowl. But uh, this will be fun. And remember this, folks. The last four times that Dallas, or excuse me, that Aaron Rodgers, as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, has played in Dallas, he's won all four times, including the 2010, which actually was in 2011, but the 2010 season, the 2011 Super Bowl 45 at Jerry's World in Irving, Texas, and the Cowboys won that one over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there's something about Dallas and Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to need Aaron Rodgers to be like Aaron Rodgers in 2015 if the Packers have a chance to win this football game. Next on the docket, we go to Cincinnati. And I've got to tell you this, and um, I'm obviously I'll give the microphone to Chris and let you let him make his uh, his uh, uh, picks on the Arizona Cincinnati game, and I'll let you all, let you all know that Cincinnati comes in as a field goal favorite in this football game. Cincinnati Bengals on what was it Monday night was one of the worst performances that I have ever seen by a professional football team, and it looked like to me for this team that almost stole one in Seattle Week One, meaning the Cincinnati Bengals, to come back and look as pathetic as they did on Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers without Antonio Brown, without Le'Veon Bell, without Ben Roethlisberger, and the Steelers still kick the crap out of them. I think there might be, might be, might be some competition for the Miami Dolphins with the number one overall pick next year in April's draft. Cincinnati is that bad, and I feel really bad for Zach Taylor. I think the young man gets his first NFL coaching job, a dream job. His wife is from Kentucky, which is right over the Ohio River from Cincinnati. And the Bengals suck, folks. And this is really, I mean, I'm I'm taking the chicken shit way out here, man. But this is my upset pick of the week. I have the Cardinals straight up, the Cardinals against the spread, and they're my upset pick of the week because Cincinnati has rolled over and died, in my opinion. Hard to argue with anything you said there. Two winless teams. At least Arizona has a tie. Yeah. But yeah, I I like them too. I always worry when you get a massive public dog, like the entire, everyone in the public is betting on the Cardinals and they think they're the better team. They probably are the better team. But uh, but yet Cincinnati, they they started as a four-point favorite. Last I saw was a 3.5, I think. You've got them at three. I got them at three. Um, So anywhere three to four though, I mean... That's basically saying the teams are even on a neutral field. Right. So, but, and, and I don't, uh, the public certainly doesn't believe that. And I don't know if I do either. So I hate to side with a massive public dog here like this, but I, I have to take Arizona both ways. I mean, how can you not? Cincinnati doesn't give you anything. Now, I will say the Steelers' defense is extremely underrated this year. I want to say that. So, in fairness, there's that to consider. So I find like in my betting that I'm doing with our buddy Greg, I am we're having a tough time because the thing is, it's not like just when you're a better who just bets on a few games and each one's individual, we essentially do the world's largest parlay every weekend. And so if any game is wrong, it messes up all our other picks. So we have to be really careful with our picks. And it's tough to trust any winless team in week five of the NFL season, if even if they're yeah. against another winless one. So it's hard for us to just go with Arizona and just trust them when our entire week rides on it. But at the same time, in, in a vacuum, you have to take Arizona both ways. Cincinnati doesn't give us anything. Let's go to, uh, let's see, I guess this would be Nashville, Tennessee, home of the Tennessee Titans. The Buffalo Bills come a-calling. The, uh, when I took this line down, 
Tennessee was three-point favorites in this football game, and there was some question about the status of Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who was at the time in concussion protocol after their very physical game last Sunday against division rival New England. But as I said last week, I was going to spend a lot of time watching the Buffalo-New England game, and I did. And uh, all of you folks out there that don't believe that the Buffalo Bills have a top-five defense, um, wake the hell up, folks. Buffalo's got a good defense. Um, they played mano a mano. They played the, the uh, New England Patriots straight up, took them till the end. 16-10 to 10 was the final. Um, I'm really liking Buffalo. I wish that they had... I wish they had something more. I don't know quite what to put my finger on yet. I think they've got the run game. I think they've I think they probably could use a receiver or two, but I mean these are all stepping stones. But getting back to this Buffalo, Tennessee game, I'm not a fan of Tennessee. I can't stand Mike Vrabel, the coach. I'm still a little bit confused as the progress made over the last couple of years or progress made over the last couple of years in regard to Marcus Mariota, the quarterback in Tennessee. In this game, again, Tennessee is three-point favorites, and I'm going Bills both ways. I have that much confidence in Buffalo, and I just don't have that same kind of confidence in the Tennessee Titans. I'm also going to take Buffalo both ways in the upset, but these teams are extremely similar. Untrustworthy quarterbacks, great defenses, uh, pretty solid O-lines, and the Titans do get Taylor Lewan back this week from suspension, which is nice, but these teams are so close for me. Josh Allen starting does help, although, yeah, that game, that is a disgrace that uh, New England New England won that game last week. They needed five interceptions yeah. and a blocked t- punt touchdown to win by six. Yeah. So without the blocked touchdown right. uh, on a blocked punt, they don't even win, never mind the five interceptions. So if they had a game manager quarterback, if they had friggin' Trent Dilfer in 2000 in there, they would have easily won that game. I mean, <laughs> really, they... Do you remember the name Joe Ferguson? No. Okay, Joe Ferguson was the quarterback in Buffalo when my favorite running back played there. If they'd had Joe Ferguson, <laughs> they'd have beaten the New England Patriots last week. Oh, gee, if they had almost almost anybody. If they had really. you or I, we yeah. would have beaten the New England Patriots last week. You think so? Week. You think so, yeah. So uh, I, I don't think just think the Buffalo Bills have a top five defense. I think they have a top one defense. The Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, are the best defense in the NFL, and uh, that's uh, it's clear to me. And I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, take the under on this game yeah. is, is my recommendation. Great pick. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll take Buffalo. Uh, I just hope Josh Allen doesn't screw up too much because Tennessee does have a great secondary. Yes, they, do. they really do. Kevin Byard is a pro bowler back there for a reason, even though Deion Sanders didn't know who he was. Did you ever see that last year? No. When happened? So they were on Twitter, and Kevin Byard said something, and Deion Sanders thought it was some random kid on Twitter and was just like, oh, yeah, when you play in the NFL, you can question me or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm a pro bowler, so fuck you. <laughs> you know. So anyway, but uh, yeah, I really love Kevin Byard. He's awesome. This is a tough game with two teams basically looking in the mirror at each other, like mirror images of each other. But I will have to take Buffalo because their defense is that good. Okay, next we go to the uh, first game of the season in London, which I can't stand. I hate that. Um, it was funny this week... Uh, who was it? Uh, Todd Gurley made mention this week that he hated Thursday games. And I can certainly see why the physical abuse that your body takes on Sunday and then have to regenerate and get ready to play four days later. Um, I guess the trade-off is you get 10 days off after, but uh, I'm not a big fan of Thursday games. I understand why they're played. It's because of the fans. It's because of ratings. And I get that, but I even have less, less empathy about going all the way to London for a football game. 
And this is going to be an intriguing one because it's the, it's the, um, what's the big boy? This the, the Khalil, Khalil Mack, Mack Bowl. Revenge Bowl. There you go. Yeah, the you Khalil go. Mack Bowl game. Chicago versus Oakland. Chicago comes in as five-point favorites. I'm still surprised that Oakland won in Indy last week. I really am. Um, they haven't laid down and died for Gruden yet, which is good to see. But I think if there's a game that Khalil Mack could take over personally, this would be it. And uh, again, the number is Chicago, five-point favorites. I have the Bears both ways. Oh, I've had this game in my sights. Just like Khalil Mack, I think he and I have both had this circled on our calendars <laughs> for a while. And it's going to be an interesting game. I think we, we've seen the Chicago Bears defense smother people, yep. but they are really going to smother this team. Khalil Mack will be extremely motivated, and I, I think the Bears are just going to just crush them uh, on defense. Uh, and even on offense, I have to say that obviously Oakland's defense is nothing special, and I am more confident in the Chicago Bears' offense with Chase Daniel under center than I am with uh, Mitch Trubisky. I really am. Chase Daniel is a solid backup yep. quarterback in the yep. NFL. He was given almost starter money in a way, or strong backup money in Philly a few years ago, and they thought he might start. Uh, but then uh, at the last second, they were able to bring in Bradford, I guess, if it was that year. Uh, but uh, Chase Daniels is a solid backup quarterback, one of the better uh, backups in the NFL. And uh, so I think he will just be kind of consistent and reliable and, the, and a game manager. And that's all you need with the Bears. When you have Khalil Mack and that defense against a very suspect, very inaccurate Derek Carr, who was very lucky even last week to avoid about two or three interceptions, I think that you're going to see the Bears just choke them to death. And uh, I, I'm... I have full confidence in the Bears this week. I know London's different. Also, I saw an interesting stat. I think, never mind winning games. When you get a West Coast American team uh, going to London against a Central Time Zone or East Coast one, I think all time they've even covered the spread once. Really? Yeah, but, which makes sense. Well, I mean, sure it's, it it's so far. you got an extra right? how, many, how many hours of airtime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, but no, Bears all the way in this one. Um. This this next game is interesting. It happens in New Orleans, down in the Superdome. Tampa Bay coming off of putting double nickels, 55 points on the board against the L.A. Rams in Los Angeles. Now, who the hell would have saw that coming? Jameis Winston looking like a real pro quarterback? Uh, obviously, Bruce Arians has done some work with uh, Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. I would have never have guessed Tampa Bay not only win in the Southland, but to put up 55 on the L.A. Rams? Come on! Um, Tampa Bay goes to New Orleans. New Orleans coming off the emotional win last Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys at home. Teddy Bridgewater is still your quarterback. New Orleans comes in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I can't see. You know, one of the things that I have been surprised about this year is New Orleans in the respect that, no, they don't have true breeze right now, but we always assimilate and assume and whatever about the New England, excuse me, the New Orleans Saints is that their offense. We talk about Breeze. We talk about uh, Alvin Kamara. We talk about their tight end uh, Cook. We talk about their wide receivers. But my God, they're not a top five defense, but New Orleans' defense doesn't hurt them anymore. They're playing better. And uh, Lattimore, the corner from Ohio State, has a lot to do with that. I can't see Tampa Bay putting 55 up uh, the rest of this season, much less on this improved Saints defense in New Orleans. Uh, second consecutive road game for the Buccaneers. I have the Saints in this one both ways. 
I do too, but it's really tough to know who the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are here because, I mean, they lose easy ones, and then they go to L.A. and crush the Rams and put up 55 points on Wade Phillips. So, yeah, that's crazy. It's really hard to predict. Uh, Arians is a great coach, but I think Todd Bowles is the real key coach there. That defense is a completely different thing. And Shaq Barrett is not uh, hurting things either. He's uh, the runaway candidate for Defensive Player of the Year at the moment. Last I checked, he was on pace for about 36 sacks. Yep. (laughs) And he's just, I mean, he's just unstoppable right now. Uh, Teron Armstead is going to be a challenge for him to get around him. But uh, And also, by the way, I said last week that Marshawn Lattimore would absolutely smother Amari Cooper, and I was right, and Amari Cooper did nothing, partly because he sucks, but partly <laughs> partly because Marshawn Lattimore is amazing. And so, uh, yeah, I, I would expect a big game for Chris Godwin out of the slot. Um, oh, yeah. Because Mike Evans is going to be... It's Mike Evans' turn to be smothered this week, and so it's going to be a the Chris Godwin show, which is going to make a lot of uh, fantasy people happy because Chris Godwin was you know, a, a top 50 pick this year in fantasy, which I thought he'd be the sleeper. I thought he'd be ranked about 100, and I was going to pick him up everywhere And I, because I loved him last year. I thought, man, this guy's got a lot of talent. But uh, then he was incredibly, like, going 40th overall even. And so uh, a lot of people who I think overdrafted him should have a good week this week. But uh, then again, New Orleans' uh, defense is, is still very good, and O.J. Howard has been an Im- just an immense bust. He's done absolutely nothing, even in a 55-point output he did almost nothing. So OJ Howard has just been a complete bust this year and very, very disappointing for fantasy. But Godwin's been the real deal. So I could see him having a good game. And Teddy Bridgewater is just uh, being that game manager and he's been pretty solid. So Tampa Bay is just such a wild card. It's hard to know if they're going to be amazing or terrible each week. But uh, I'm going to take the Saints because I've just loved seeing them go 2-0 and without Drew Brees. And uh, I, I just think uh, I'd love to see it keep rolling, have him come back and just win a Super Bowl and right off into the sunset. It's just shaping up to be such a great story. Next place we're going is to New Jersey MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford, um, Minnesota Vikings, three, uh, excuse me, five and a half point favorites going east to take on the homestanding Giants. I was a little bit disappointed this week in the Giants organization. Not that I'm a big fan, but um, it was just, what, two weeks ago when Barkley had the high ankle sprain, and he must be an immaculate healer, unbelievably. He was in practice this week, cutting and doing all the things that running backs do, but you don't bring him back two weeks after a high ankle sprain. You just don't. I mean, I know you need him. You want him, um, but I was a little disappointed um, that they even made mention of that. Remember, it was supposed to be a six to eight week injury. And at two weeks, even Pat Shermer was like, well, we might see him on, on Sunday. No, you're not going to see him. He is your franchise. He is your future. You, this kid and the quarterback are your offensive future for the New York Giants. And if he, if he needs four weeks to heal, let him heal. Because with high ankle sprains, any any idiot knows with a high ankle sprain, If you come back too early, you're susceptible to injuring it again. And if you re-injure a high ankle sprain, it's going to come back doubly bad the second time. So give Barkley the time he needs to get healthy. And, you know, I just think that that was a little preposterous there. Minnesota's got their own problems. The $84 million contract of Kirk Cousins seems to be keeping continually biting the Vikings in the ass. You've got two wide receivers that are pissed off because they've become a run-first team, but you've got oodles amount of cap space dedicated to Allen, 
Adam Thielen and as well as Stefan Diggs. Um, I'd love to see Diggs as a slot, uh, as the slot receiver in Green Bay. Hint, hint, it'll never happen. But um, the Vikings got problems. Mike uh, Zimmer, who I respect a lot, a lot of problems going on in Minneapolis. They're two and two. Um, they're already bitching amongst themselves. The only thing is, and the reason I'm taking the Vikings is because A, the Vikings defense is still good, and B, Saquon Barkley is not going to play this week. And let's see. Now, Daniel Jones had a great start a couple of weeks ago, but he was playing against the, well, and again, in fairness, and you brought it up, he was very good against a good Tampa defense. Last week, he played against Washington. Washington, S-U-C-K-S, sucks, sucks, sucks. They're terrible. The Redskins are terrible. And their coach just got caught on video smoking weed. So maybe that has something to do with why Jay Gruden is making weird decisions in our nation's capital. I don't know. All I know in this one is uh, the number is five and a half favorite in uh, for the Vikings. And I'm taking the Vikings both ways. I'm taking the Giants both ways. And Good it's, for you. And it's not even my upset of the week. <laughs> but I do like it because the... New York Giants have played quite well with Daniel Jones, much better than with Eli Manning. Yep, no and, question. Uh, and I know, yeah, I mean, they beat the Redskins. Who cares? But uh, they, they've looked pretty solid. And also, I'll, I'll say, Minnesota is one of those teams, they're not the same team on the road. If this if this was at home, I wouldn't give the Giants much Great of a point. chance. Great but, point. And, and it is scary to take a rookie quarterback against Mike Zimmer, so don't get me wrong there. And Minnesota could easily win this game. But, uh, yeah, they're just out of sorts on offense right now. Did you see uh, Adam Thielen complaining last week? And then Kirk Cousins actually apologized to yeah. him. And then you've got the Stefan Diggs drama. He did travel with the team. Correct. But he's really upset. They asked him, uh, is it true you want to be traded? And he said, uh, there's truth to all rumors or whatever. Yeah. So something's going on there. They're a bit distracted, I think, with all their inner locker room turmoil. So I like the Giants and the magic and the legend of Daniel Jones to continue to grow this week. And I will take the Giants both ways. Next, we're going to Philadelphia and the Rich Kotite Bowl. You remember wow. that? No. Boy, I'm pulling one out there. Wow. Richie Kotite fucked up both of these teams as the one-time head coach of the, both the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles impressed me last Thursday in Green Bay. Uh, I don't know what the Packers' problem was within the five-yard line, and that's where I'm, I'm really having problems with Jimmy Graham. But regardless, Philadelphia came into that game at 1-2. and two. They needed a win. They got that win. Congratulations to them. Carson Wentz is the real deal. And just think how good Philadelphia will be when they get some of their weapons back, especially on defense. Um, this number is 13.5 in favor of the visiting Eagles. The Jets, the Jets were actually thinking, I believe, in my heart of hearts, and this is how screwed up the Jets are, I think, they were thinking about Sam Darnold part possibly making a return after Mono. Um, he needs more time, folks. Remember, uh, uh, your spleen gets inflamed when you have mono. That's one of the side effects of mononucleosis. And if he should get hit in that area, his life would be in danger. And then we're talking something a little bit more important than a football game. Um, it's good to see the Jets finally wised up. I don't know who did it to him, but they did. Uh, Sam Darnold has been uh, held, is going to be held out of this football game. That's why the number, or partially why the number is 13 and a half. Um, I think the Eagles got that, that boost they needed. I really do. Um, went into a tough environment last Thursday night and beat a, a, a fair to Midland Green Bay team. 
And uh, that's the reason I'm going with the Eagles in this one both ways. Me too. The number just isn't even high enough. It's hard to make it much higher than this, but it's Luke Falk on offense and CJ Mosley is doubtful on defense. So there's just nothing to like about the Jets. They would need so much luck to even get within the two touchdown number that you just can't take them. You just got to take the Eagles both ways. This could be a real bad blowout. Let's go on and um, an old division rival, but it isn't quite the same. And what I'm talking about is, yes, the cities are the same, the uniforms are the same, but some of the players have changed. And I'm talking about the Ravens and the Steelers. The Steelers last week probably saved their season a little bit with an ass-kicking of the Cincinnati Bengals, gave them a little bit of confidence. I thought, uh, I think his name is Mason Rudolph, did a nice job. Uh, Former uh, quarterback at Oklahoma State did a nice job uh, as the replacement for the, obviously for the foreseeable future with Roethlisberger out with the elbow surgery. Um, Pittsburgh, um, I, I, I don't know enough about them. I really don't right now. Uh, I love T.J. Uh, Watt on the outside. Well, how good would he look in Green Bay now if he would have been taken where he should have been at 29 instead of going to the Steelers at uh, 29 a couple of years ago in the draft? Baltimore, I still don't have a real read on them either because how long is Lamar Jackson going to keep playing and looking like he's back playing when he was dominating and winning a Heisman at the University of Louisville. I thought this was just bound to just to be a, a total crap in regard to offense this year for the Baltimore Ravens. But in fairness, they've played the Dolphins. They've played a couple of cupcakes. I don't really know about this, but what I will say is that regardless of when rivals get together, you can throw the records out the door. And I know that's cliche-ish and it's boring and it's bullshit and all this other stuff, but it really isn't bullshit in regard when when the Packers and the Vikings play, when the Packers and the Bears play, when the when the uh, 49ers and the Rams play, you can throw the records out the window. And I think that's what you're going to have to do here. Pittsburgh probably got that proverbial jolt a little bit. I think they're going to play better. And that's why in this game, with the number being Baltimore as a three-point favorite, I have the Ravens straight up and I'm taking the Steelers uh, against the spread. Well, this is my upset of the week, and I've got the Steelers both ways. Baltimore is overrated. They started week one against the worst team in NFL history, the Miami Dolphins, (laughs) and they beat them 59-10, and that threw everything out of whack. And since then, I mean, they beat the Cardinals by six. Correct. Uh, They just haven't been impressive other than that. They were going against uh, a bad Cleveland secondary because they were all hurt, like Denzel Warren, Greedy Williams, and they were all hurt, and they still got... Demarius Randall. Yeah, and they still got basically blown out in the end. So because of those injuries, we have not seen Lamar Jackson play a good defense or a good secondary even this yep. entire season, not once. And now this this week he is going to, on the road, no less. And uh, the Pittsburgh fans are going to help them out. The Pittsburgh defense is underrated. This is one thing that annoys me is when people look at a team and the offense is bad, so they assume the defense is bad. Happens every year with the Buffalo Bills, and now it's happening with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This Pittsburgh Steeler defense is very good. I like the acquisition of Minka Fitzpatrick. Joe Hayden still playing at a high level. You've got uh, Devin Bush uh, up the middle there to replace Ryan Shazier. You've got TJ Watt on the outside. There's a lot to like about this defense, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a very rough night, and uh, I think that, and as we saw, actually, too, Baltimore can't defend the run. Nick Chubb just annihilated them. them, And now you've got Minnesota, or sorry, now you've got Pittsburgh's good offensive line, James Conner and Jalen Samuels as a dual threat out of the backfield. 
and you've got some excellent receivers there. I will say credit to Marlon Humphrey for absolutely erasing Odell Beckham last week, but uh, I don't know. He'll have a he'll have another challenge with the Pittsburgh receivers that Deontay Johnson is emerging. Juju's always a threat, even though he's often more in the slot. But anyway, there's a there's a lot to like about Pittsburgh. Uh, Mason Rudolph. I, you know, he's, he's okay. He's trying his best. If this was Ben Roethlisberger, I think Pittsburgh would destroy them. So uh, I'm taking Pittsburgh both ways. This is my upset of the week. And by the way, uh, congratulations to both of us for hitting our upsets of the week last yes, week. Absolutely. Um, that's always a good thing. The next one is, um, I, you know, I have been very hard over the years on the Washington Redskins and most of my angst has been toint, pointed toward the owner, Daniel Schneider. He is just a kid in a candy store with money to burn, and um, I, I've just never quite understood the philosophy in Washington. Uh, I still don't understand the philosophy in Washington, and, I, and the reason is because I can't understand why Jay Gruden still has a job there. Um, a lot of noise coming out of Washington. Uh, specifically, noise this week was that Jay Gruden um, came out in one of his pressers this week and says that I never wanted the kid from Ohio State, Haskins. That was Daniel Schneider's call. Well, he is the owner, and he's paying your paycheck, so shut the fuck up. Um, But Haskins should be starting with this team. You've seen what the kid has done with the New York Giants, uh, and and I'm talking about Daniel Jones. Um, What's the difference at this point when you're soon to be 0-5? What's the difference of playing... Uh, Haskins right now at quarterback of the Washington Redskins. But instead, because Jay Gruden still technically is the head football coach in Washington, he's going with Colt McCoy this week instead of the injured or is it ineffective Case Keenum. I think that's a mistake. You're going to lose either way. Why don't you throw Haskins in and let him get that proverbial you know, baptism by fire? I just don't see why you go back to a retread with a career record of five wins and 12 losses why do you go back to a retread like Colt McCoy? And fun for Colt McCoy, his first start of the season is against the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. New England comes in as 15 and a half point favorites. There's so many problems in Washington, I don't even care. Um, all I know is that I'm taking the Patriots both ways. Yeah, this should be a complete dismantling. Tom Brady's going to want revenge, uh, not against the Redskins, but just he wants to really have a bounce-back performance because, uh, I don't know why more coaches don't know this, but if you play zone against Tom Brady, you're going to get destroyed. And and you're stupid, too, by the way. And the Buffalo Bills not only have a great defense, but they're smart, and they did exactly what the New York Giants did. Both times they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. You rush four, you put you have good guys that can put up pressure on without blitzing, and you play man-to-man defense. Wow! Now, I know that that's easier said than done when you play against in a great O-line and blah, 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 and Brady can still make some great passes, but uh, he had no business winning that game, and frankly, he didn't win that game. Tom Brady had 150 yards last week with no touchdowns and one pick, and he didn't look very good. And not only that, but how often have you seen Tom Brady make some of those Tim Tebow passes right. where it's, like, it's not even close to anybody, and you're like, what was he doing there? And he just, like, Tom Brady actually looked stupid. Frankly, frankly, yeah. that's uh, that because he's used to guys playing zone again. Why would you play zone against Tom Brady? Like, it's just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But anyway, enough of that. The Washington Redskins aren't going to take advantage of any of this. Jay Gruden doesn't isn't aware of anything that I just said there. He has no idea what's going on. And the fact that he I'm 
you know, I thought the dumbest thing he was going to do this year was going to be that healthy scratch of Adrian Peterson. But now, like, this might be dumber, basically saying, oh, hey, uh, court- franchise quarterback of our future, I don't like you or believe in you, so you can sit your ass on the bench no matter what happens, yeah. even if the starter sucks. And what do you do about the confidence of Haskins when you read stuff like this? Jeez, I mean, I mean, you, you might get into a Jesse Pugliarvi situation here where even down the road, you've got this top draft pick, this first rounder, and even if you change the GM and you change the coach and you change everything else the the person the player still has a tainted view of the organization that you can't wipe clean and that's a real risk here when you have a Dwayne Haskins who was the top uh even though Daniel Jones was taken ahead of him he was the number one ranked quarterback on the board at the start of the draft other than Kyler Murray I suppose but Kyler Murray that was a whole thing that he rocketed up there but basically Dwayne Haskins was the safest bet in the draft to be a top quarterback of the future and you shouldn't throw that away and especially for a lame duck coach that everybody knows is going to be fired like there's why is he still there and now that video comes out and someone was pointing out it almost felt like that video was a year old it almost felt like people were sitting on that just waiting <laughs> it's like okay now let's release it and just finish the guy off so yeah the UK there's no, again this is this is like the Cincinnati Bengals and some of these other teams this week They're, you're just giving us nothing to work with at all there's there's nothing we can believe in at all here you have to take the Patriots both ways even if the number was 21 you have to you know the sad thing about Jake Gruden his brother wouldn't even hire him as the as a special teams coach. I wonder now. I know. I don't think he would. It's a good question. I, I really do. I'm not making a joke here. I don't think John would take the chance of bringing his pot-smoking brother on his staff should he get, or when he gets, the pink slip in Washington. Let's continue on to Carolina. This team has surprised me the last two weeks. And um, I've got to be honest as I sit here with not only the co-host and the executive producer, but my friend. Mr. Fluke, um, I have been pleasantly surprised by Carolina and the way they've played the last two weeks on the road in Arizona and in Houston. Um, And I've got to be honest, they have played better. And again, partially it is because Cam Newton is not healthy. I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan, but you've got to give the man the respect if he's not healthy and can't do everything that is expected of him to do. How do you expect him to do it? Um... Cam Newton was trying to take one for the team. Obviously, he was injured. But this Kyle Allen kid, he has come out and he has done a wonderful job. Not only is he managing a good game, but he's making good throws. He's making good decisions. And that's why the Carolina Panthers have evened their record at 2-2. and And this weekend, I think the magic continues. Carolina comes back home to Bank of America Stadium in downtown Charlotte. The uh, Panthers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Jacksonville's a great story. The porn star quarterback from Washington State, I love him. Um, Wonderful job in the last minute last week to get the game-winning field goal in Denver. Minshew is his name. I I think it's Garrett, if I'm Uh, not mistaken. Gardner. Gardner, sorry. Gardner Minshew. He has been terrific. I like him. I like watching him. I like reading about him. But uh, Carolina still got a better defense, and they found right now for them a quarterback that is not hurting them. He's making the plays that he needs to. He's got Christian McCaffrey back there with him. He's got some weapons. He's still got the defense. This one has Carolina as three-and-a-half-point favorites at home, and I'm taking the homestanding Panthers both ways. So am I, although I do uh, like Minshew mania. It's, yes. ki- it's kind of fun, but I don't think that Jacksonville is good enough overall. Uh, they've had some luck this year. I don't think they're going to 
have it this week. Jalen Ramsey is out again. He's going to see a back specialist, even though nobody really believes his injury is that bad. He's still going to go see a back specialist and he will not play this week. So I like Carolina. Christian McCaffrey has been fantastic for me in fantasy, and I love the guy, and he's awesome. And Kyle Allen, I mean, what can you say? He looked good in Week 17 last year, and he's looked good in his two starts this year. He is now 3-0 as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And the Carolina have new, uh, the Carolina Panthers have new life, and they have their season back. They were 0-2 after two home games, and we wrote them off, and then they have two wins in two road games now. I think this is a big game, though, uh, Chris, in this, in the respect that Carolina dropped their first two at home. This is a big one for them to reestablish some home s- superiority, if yeah, you will. Yeah. They need to win this game at home and they need to win big. Yeah. Cause I mean, starting 0 and 3 at home is just, right. I mean, that's, 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 that's a recipe for disaster that's in trying to move forward and get into the playoffs. Um, next place we're going is Houston. And this is two teams that are really confusing me. I don't know what the hell's going on. I really believe in my heart of hearts that Gus Bradley is close to getting fired in Atlanta. This team has underachieved. This team doesn't have an identity right now. There seems to be some internal problems involving uh, Julio Jones, who I think is one of the best, certainly in the top three wide receivers in the National Football League. I don't think there's any question about that. Houston, one week they look like world beaters. Last week at home, they got outclassed and they got their ass kicked by the Carolina Panthers. I don't know what's going on in Houston. We all, and I love to steal this from Martina Fluke, uh, the butt chin down there. I can't stand him. I don't know what he's doing. Um, But I know a little bit more about Houston than I do with Atlanta right now. And with the number being Houston at home as five and a half point favorites, I don't think they can afford to lose two home games in a row. And that's why I'm taking the Texans both ways. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I guess it's the lesser of two evils. I have zero confidence in the Atlanta Falcons, and I have about 0.5% confidence in the Houston Texans. Yeah, I don't like either of these teams, but I'm with you here. Houston should win this game. And uh, if there's one team in the NFL that people don't understand how shitty they are, it's the Atlanta Falcons, because they do have a lot of big fantasy football stars like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Devontae Freeman and Matt Ryan, but they're not a good team. They're not. The one player, by the way, who has been fantastic, this might have been my best fantasy football draft pick all year because I got him on almost all of my teams and I got him at the very end of any decent tight ends and it's Austin Hooper and he has been absolutely fantastic he catches almost every pass thrown his way he's had an amazing performance I think every single week so if there's one guy to believe in on that team it is absolutely Austin Hooper he is the most underrated uh, tight end in the league offensively and he is just fantastic and I feel like a genius for picking him everywhere because he has just been absolutely superb but other than him this team is bad they can't block they can't stop the run they make mistakes Matt Ryan Matty Ice all of a sudden he's not so cool with no O-line in front of him and he can't stop throwing interceptions this is a bad football team and that's all there is to it and even with the horrendous coaching of Bill O'Brien I don't think he's even going to find a way to mess this up because the Houston Texans should coast to victory. Uh, I mean, Will Fuller, I expect a big game from... uh, Even their running game might be okay. Carlos Hyde might even do something. And with no O-line against J.J. Watt and a resurgent Whitley Whitley Merciless, I... Easy for you to say. Yeah, easy for me to say. (laughs) Holy moly. Uh, This this is not going to be a good thing for 
the Falcons. I could see the Houston Texans, even if they're not at their best, I could still see the Texans just dismantling them because the wheels have already come off the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, I think it's going to really be shown clearly to everyone this week. Um, We are. And uh, if you are just joining us, I thank you as always for joining us on this 401st episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We're going through our week Number five NFL picks, and we're going out to the left coast in that soccer pitch for a stadium out there. Thank God there's only six or seven or maybe maybe five five or six games left out there in the history of that stadium before they move next year to the new stadium out in Hollywood Park in L.A. The Denver Broncos, the tooth is in trouble. I believe if Mr. Bolin was alive and had all of his faculties that even he would have a problem with the status of his football team right now. When was the last time the Denver Broncos, to your recollection, were 0-4? It hasn't been, I mean, this has been one of the, you know, the AFC, the AFL, I should say, the old AFL started in 1960, and they had six or whatever it was teams, and the marquee teams then were Oakland and Denver and Buffalo and a couple others. But they merged in 65 with the established at the time, the National Football League. And then that's where you saw the division become between the AFC and the NFC. Denver has always been competitive. I don't care if you go back to the day when John Roch, what Roush was the coach. You go back to the day when they made their first Super Bowl and Red Miller was the coach. Um, you go back to when Shanahan was the coach and they won that despicable Super Bowl 32 over the Green Bay Packers, but then they won the next year, Super Bowl 33 or whatever it was against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what's going on in Denver. Tooth doesn't know what the hell he's going on. Joe Flacco doesn't know what the hell is going on. Their defense is not the same. I feel sorry for Vic Fangio. And on top of everything else, they lose Bradley Chubb for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. Um, I think this is a this is a, a statement game this week for the Denver Broncos. Do the Denver Broncos show up or do the Denver Broncos lay down and die? I don't know. I don't believe Vic Fangio is going to allow them to lay down and die. I have a lot of questions about the Los Angeles Clippers too, and I call them the Clippers out of disrespect. I just can't get used to the Los Angeles Chargers again. But the Chargers have been an enigma this year. Um, they lose in Detroit. They, they're, they're not playing like they were at the end of last year. A lot of people, and I'm putting myself in this category, believe that the LA Chargers had a chance at the beginning of the year, if everything goes the way that they had anticipated it would, I believe that the L.A. Chargers had a chance to compete for the Western seed, if you will, in the Super Bowl. Well, that ain't going to happen. Now, we know that. But this game has the Chargers as six-and-a-half-point favorites. I want to see how the Broncos respond after pissing away another one last week at mile high to slip to 0-4. In this game, I'm taking the Chargers straight up, and I'm taking the Broncos against the spread. I am too, but I have to say, psychologically, I don't really understand why a lot of people are saying what you're saying, and I guess I'm kind of going on with it because I I just think the spread is too high against an untrustworthy team like the Chargers. But to me, mentally, psychologically, I think the Broncos will be quite flat overall, to be honest. I mean, you could look at it as a statement game, but to me, 
0-4 means your season is over. And if there's one coach who has disappointed me this year, it's Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. He just seems like a lost old man yeah, out does. there. He seems overmatched every time. And I've been very, very disappointed in him. So once you hit 0-4, it means your season's over to me. You combine that with the Bradley Chubb injury. To me, like that should just mean, oh, okay, like they should be totally deflated and just go there and just go through the motions and mail it in. So if I trusted the Chargers more, I'd take the Chargers both ways here. I just I think know. that, or if the spread was lower, I'd take the Chargers both ways. This spread is just very high, and uh, the Chargers have been a bit of a disappointment as well this year. So I understand Melvin Gordon's back, but I don't think I don't think he'll actually be used that much. I think I they'll ease him back in. Uh, they've actually come out and said you're going to see a lot of Austin Eckler this week again. So which is fine. I mean, he's done very well, but. I just don't trust the team. They've got some key injuries. They don't have a good O line. So this this game's kind of a mess, and I'm I'm just I, I'm not willing to completely trust the Chargers. But uh, I I want to say I think psychologically the Denver Broncos will come out flat, and they're not going to play hard for Vic Fangio, and they're going to be really deflated because they're 0 4, and their coach isn't someone they can believe in. Two bad choices in a row, though. Um, Elway, this is his ninth. Did I read recently? It was his ninth or eleventh year? It doesn't matter. He's been in his job long enough, and his last two choices as head coach, Vance Joseph and then Vic Fangio, two terrible choices for the Denver Broncos. And on top of everything else, and I've said this repeatedly, and I don't want to sound repetitive, but for a guy that has the quarterback mentality like an Elway, and he can't develop a quarterback, and then he tries to bring one in, and he sucks too, a lot of problems in Denver, and... uh, I, we'll see. It'll be an interesting game. And uh, I, I, again, I, I don't know what to make of Denver, and I don't know what to make right now, really, of the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's go to the Sunday night game. Indianapolis at Kansas City. Indianapolis, I think that uh, they have had so much adversity this year with the Andrew Luck thing and uh, trying to, at the last minute, get ready for a season with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. And this isn't a shot at Brissett, but remember, and and again, Luck did not practice a lot during the regular, or excuse me, during the preseason because he was injured, but the team still had the mental belief, I believe, that they were expecting Andrew Luck on week one, and then Andrew Luck pulls the plug on his NFL career. And I don't know... The first couple of weeks they played well, but they were playing on emotion. I really believe that. A lot of adrenaline. Um, last week was quite an eye-opener for me. The Oakland Raiders suck, guys. I'm sorry. They suck. And they went into Indianapolis's barn and really beat them. The score would be not is not indicative of how thoroughly, in my opinion, the Raiders beat the Colts last week in Indy. It ended up being 31-24, but the game was not that close, again, in my opinion. Indianapolis has disappointed me. Kansas City just keeps rolling along. They get a close call in in Detroit and still figure out a way to win. They've got the league's defending MVP and Patrick Mahomes. We all know the players. I think this number is big, but at home, the number again is Kansas City by 11, but at home, uh, Sunday night crowds, Sunday night, you know, the whole thing. I'm taking the Chiefs both ways, and I think this is an easy game to pick. I'll have to disagree with you on this one. That's uh, fine. I love that when you do that. Yeah, I, I like Kansas City to win simply because I think Patrick Mahomes will find a way to pull it out if he has to at the end. But uh, I'm definitely taking Indy plus 11. This is way too many points. The last couple of weeks, Kansas City has looked quite vulnerable to me. 
and they were lucky to get by the Baltimore Ravens, yep. and they were extremely fortunate to get by the Detroit Lions, who I think outplayed them overall. And I mean, if it yep. wasn't for where the Lions come up a few inches short of a touchdown, and then it's ruled a fumble, and then the Chiefs take it back 100 yards, that's a 14-point swing right there. That more than is the difference in the game, and there were some other uh, very fortunate circumstances for the Chiefs as well. And in both of those last two games, the Chiefs didn't cover the spread, and the spreads were way lower than this in both cases. And Indy is a competitive team. Looks like both Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton will return this week. I wish Darius Leonard was playing, but he's not. But other than that, it looks like they're going to have their key players. They still have that great O-line. Their entire O-line is healthy, maybe the best O-line in the league. So uh, Indy plus 11, I absolutely love. But uh, And, and I'm, I, I'd love to see them pull the upset. I like Kansas City and I love Patrick Mahomes. But also just for our betting, Greg and I are going to be ready for an Indy upset, which would be a lot of money for us if we can get everything else right with it. So uh, yeah, I, I like Indy this week uh, to, to do well and try hard and fight hard and be competitive. This is a marquee AFC matchup. I can see why they made this Sunday night football when they thought luck was still going to play. This would have been uh, an amazing game. but uh, So it's, it's too bad we don't get that. But Indy's still a tough, proud team, and I think they're going to keep it within 11. The final game on the knocket, docket, I should say, for the week number five NFL games, Monday night. Isn't this amazing how Cleveland never saw even a Sunday afternoon marquee game for years and years and maybe decades, and all of a sudden... A second already, five weeks into the season, a second appearance on Monday Night Football. Um, I guess that's what hype gets you when you get all these guys together and the creative offseason that uh, John Dorsey and the rest of those Green Bay guys did for the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, Cleveland still is making more noise with what OBJ is doing, and it's not on the field. And it's when he when he is on the field, he's getting into – you know, whatever with guys, secondary guys from the Baltimore Ravens and whatever have you. And it just, I don't know. It's still, still a little unstable for me in Cleveland. They've got some great pieces. We've all discussed that, you know, San Francisco's coming off a bye. They'll have had two weeks to prepare for this game. San Francisco's at home out in the Bay. They're three and a half point favorites. And for all of those things right there, I'm going 49ers both ways. So am I, uh, but I'm, I'm a bit concerned with, it's so long left, it's been 15 days, they get the two weeks and the extra day, right. and the other interesting thing is that's so much time to, to prepare for this game that I think inevitably they are probably looking ahead, because I think, don't they have a Thursday game or something coming up? Or, probably. Or else, they're just, or else they're playing the Rams next week or something, but I think that they, whenever it is, I think they could easily look forward to that game and just say... Uh, and just say, hey, we've got so much time to prepare for the Browns. I think we've got them. Let's start looking at the Rams, right? So they could be a bit distracted. This could be a look-ahead situation. And plus, they've been hearing about how great they are. They're undefeated at 3-0. Weird schedule quirk. Uh, all the other teams, pretty much, uh, except for ones that have had buys, will have played five games before the Niners even play their fourth game. Right. So it's going to take, you know, the Niners are going to have to play a lot to catch up there. But uh, I have to take them both ways. I just don't believe in Cleveland at all. I think that they're going to also be hearing about how great they are. And yeah, oh yeah, okay, we were right all along. You are going to be the Super Bowl champs this year, Cleveland. You just got off to a bad start. But really, they just played the overrated Baltimore Ravens who don't have a great defense anymore. So it's it's a weird it's a weird sort of 
potion to try to figure out what's in it here, but I'm going to take the Niners both ways because I think Kyle Shanahan is a better coach than Freddie Kitchens. Totally agreed. And uh, having said that, we've got a run on this 401st episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. As always, we thank you for participating and listening to what we have to say and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.